welcome to another episode of the Being Camping podcast. So tonight's guest is a lady called Jay. You most likely recognise the Instagram profile of Ray of Sun Adventures. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you both? Yeah, really good. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Really good. Oh, you both got really cool backgrounds, and I've got a really blank wall. <laughs> it's a shame we can't be around a real campfire. That would be the dream. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> I mean, we've all had busy schedules, and uh, of course, people have been out doing their thing, haven't they? So it's been quite tricky to organise stuff during this period, actually. Yeah. So you grew up in London then. I did, yes. I grew up in Brixton, South London, um, concrete jungle, but I was very lucky to have a very hippie and wild mother that used to bundle us into the car and take us on world adventures in the holidays to Wales um, with her friends and other kids. So yeah, lots of memories from a very young age of just kind of pulling up in random places and sleeping in the car or <laughs> no plans turning up at a random farm saying if you got anywhere for us to stay and them offering us like a disused caravan and it turning into the best holiday ever lots of amazing experiences like that I think your mum sounds pretty cool to me to be honest definitely and Wales is a favourite stomping ground of myself and Ben's it's, it's a really good location actually to sort of get started and get rooted and so when when you were growing up and you're sort of you're doing all these little adventures. Did you think that they were adventures then, or did do you just look back retrospectively? You know, at the time, was it a big deal? Or um, I think because we grew up with that as kind of the norm, it didn't seem like such a big adventure. It was just what we did. Um, just but looking holiday. back now, yeah, and having a child myself, I think, wow, that was incredible. That was a proper adventure. Yeah. I appreciated it. Actually, once you become a parent, you realise just how much effort goes into all of these things. You have no appreciation for what your parents are going through, you know, what they're doing or anything like that, do you? It's, it's not even on your radar. No, not at all. They're just being wild and free, and as it should be for children, isn't it? Getting mucky yeah. and dirty and, yeah, just out in nature. No, I totally, totally get that. As you've got older, that's obviously stuck with you. And did, did you, because I, I actually sort of, although I've always loved the outdoors, it, it moved away from me a little bit and then it came back again, like, and it came back with a vengeance. Yeah, same, um, pretty much. I think, so I did Duke of Edinburgh when I was 16. Again, that was another incredible experience, learning to navigate the hills. And, and although I had those experiences with my mum and lovely holidays, it was very different kind of getting stuck with a group of friends and just being carted off to a random countryside and told to find your way. <laughs> Did you get the MRE packs with the hexi burner and stuff? Oh God, you know what? I can't even remember what we had. I just remember <laughs> massive backpacks and a memory that will always stick with me walking through a field that we had to get through. And this one cow comes to the gate and we were like, oh no. <laughs> and then a whole herd of cows come to the gate and we were like, what do we do now? We can't get past them. And one came out to the front and started like charging towards us and we just turned and ran which is obviously not the thing to do when you're confronted by cows 
and just running for our lives and we'd cows in well it was so funny until well it wasn't at the time we thought we were going to die I love that you can remember stuff like that though do you know because they're the moments the pivotal moments in your life that stays with you and leaves a really big impression it's obviously not deterred you no it hasn't I know not to run from cows now <laughs> Unless it's got balls, they're all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're usually on a field on their own, Ben. <laughs> no, they're just the problem with cows. Is they're too inquisitive. Yeah, they're they are. Like, hey, what's this? They, and they want they want they want to say hello. And like you say, mate, mate, I mean, I, I've I've run from cows before when I was younger. You know, and you just get end up getting chased by like fifty cows across a field, and you're just thinking, Jesus Christ! <laughs> they just want to say hello, but you don't know it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We went on a walk actually once, didn't we, Ben? Do you remember we were doing part of the the Pedder's Way, and in the distance we stopped for a brew. There was a group of young, yeah, there was young yeah. folk, wasn't there? And they, their packs were huge. They were like all stacked up above their head. I remember looking at my rucksack. At the time, I, I was still very sort of humble about my approach to being outdoors, and I don't consider myself an expert in any way. When I turned around and looked at them, I thought, I have learnt something, because I've learnt not to carry that much kit. <laughs> On memories of mine as well, to be honest. Brought my bronze as well. Like you say, the, the initial bug bite of wanting to be out and about, and then like you say, it goes away from you a bit and comes back, and it ebbs and flows, I, I, I find, but at the moment... Well, like I yeah. said, you know, it's uh, it's with me at the minute, and I can't put it down. It's just it's my get out. Feeling, isn't it? Getting out into nature. I think that's what yeah. I found over the last year and a half, two years. That it doesn't matter how you feel. The minute you're outside and in nature, you just feel completely different, and all those worries and anxieties and concerns that you had just seem to dissipate completely. Well, they, they go, don't they? They just go. You just yeah. got to put one foot in front of the other and take the view in and take the sounds and the sights. You know. As long as I keep walking, that's all that matters. Do you think the Duke of Edinburgh's sort of skill set or anything? Because we've had other guests on this show that um, have have been leaders in that kind of field, and they're adamant that there's a skill set and a resilience and a determination and all of those sort of interpersonal skills that 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 particular course brings to you and helps you with as you grow up. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just about survival in the wild you learn so many skills that you can use in all parts of your life communication skills um obviously navigation and things like that that are really practical um cooking planning organization yeah so much learning to look after yourself I suppose and just how to I don't know maybe push yourself out of a comfort zone as well you know, we all get bedded well and truly into a comfort zone, don't we? And uh, sometimes it's healthy to actually just take a step outside of that, go into the unknown a little bit and just see what you're capable of in a controlled kind of environment. I think it's a really important um, life skill to have, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think you have to, you don't know what the weather's going to be like or what the conditions are going to be. And that in itself is a challenge and you need mm. to manage that and how you approach that so yeah again all around planning and yeah safety lots of things yeah so once you'd you'd finished that and sort of left school what what happened then what where did you go um I went off to uni and kind of got bogged down in the work of training to be a social worker lots of placements not much time for fun and fun at uni is very different to outdoorsy stuff it was all about kind of student life 
Which is still good fun. It is good fun. <laughs> and it's part of growing up and, and life yeah. for most young people. Um, but when I finished uni, I was absolutely exhausted from all the placements and the studying, and I wasn't quite ready to go straight into working. Um, so I went off with um, one of my closest friends, Sarah, and did a six-week overland tour through Africa, wild camping. And it was just the most incredible experience I've ever had. And I would highly recommend it to everyone because it was wild camping at its best, I suppose. Wild camping in the UK is wonderful, but wild camping in Africa, you're just completely isolated in that wherever you are. You're not even thinking about your phone, you're not thinking about social media, the outside world. You're just 100% in that moment. You learn to um, kind of live with the bare minimum, um, very minimalistic lifestyle and you realise that you don't actually need all these things to have a good life or have fun or be happy. Totally get that. I actually, I, I actively try to bin off things that I think I don't need. And every now and then I'll go through my phone and I'll just bin off apps that I somehow accumulate and I don't need it. And I actively try, but I feel like I'm swimming upstream, you know, because <laughs> in, in a modern lifestyle, it's almost impossible to do that. But if you go to somewhere like Africa then your environment dictates what it is you do and, and how you behave and everything. And you're right, there's some lovely places in the UK. It's not a wild wild, is it? I mean, wild in Africa was opening your tent and seeing zebras right in front of you or... Wow. If there's zebras, you know there's going to be other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. gazelle. We had... Um, we woke up to loads of hippo poo outside our tent. So hippos would like roam wow. past us during the night. One night we had hyenas at our tent. As a naughty person, we, we got a very good um, education in how to keep ourselves safe in the wild in Africa when we arrived. And absolutely under no circumstance do you take food back to the tent and clear everything away meticulously. Someone had put food back to the tent and we had hyenas at oh. every tent sniffing trying to find this food and it was I was asleep throughout I was very <laughs> <laughs> my friend Sarah wakes me up in the morning she's like oh my god we had hyenas uh, and she could hear them cackling like right at her ear and I was oh so my oh god. It, that must have been terrifying <laughs> you slept through it <laughs> hyenas don't bother me when you, when you have something like that, though, experiences like that, it, do you not find it difficult when you sort of come back, like sort of, let's, let's say the UK, where it isn't as vast? I don't think it, maybe it's not fair to say that it isn't as wild, because there are some pretty rugged and wicked terrains that we have in this country, but it's not as vast, is it? Of course, we don't have predators, you know, that's, that's a big thing, but how do you find what it is that you enjoy when everything's so crammed and crowded? I think there are some incredible places in the UK. Snowdonia is one of my favourite and it's not far from me. It yeah. is going there, you feel like you're lost in another world. It's so rugged and and beautiful. And there are the places where you get a lot of people, but there's also much quieter walks and areas where you're not probably not going to come across that many. Yeah. Um, and Scotland as well is so vast and beautiful and you know, you can go for miles there without coming across another person. So. Well, that, that's where that backdrop is of mine, actually. Um, yes. Those that are listening to this podcast, of course, won't be able to appreciate that. But uh, that's a, a pretty vast picture that you can see there. 
tell us a bit more about Africa and where whereabouts did your journey start there? We started in Kenya and went on to Tanzania. We did a lot of safaris, witnessed a mummy cheetah um, teaching her baby to hunt. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible, that is. Yeah. That's awesome. But I cry at any animal getting hurt. I saw a squirrel get run over the other day and I spent the best of my time. in Africa, that, that circle of life thing that you learn through the Lion King is 100% real. You were so poor that animal was hunting and catching its prey. Yeah. That's its survival and that's just how things are. So I sh- that shocked me when I was out there rooting for this cheetah to, to, you know, kill this baby gazelle. So yeah, you learn a lot about life and death, I think, as well, through those experiences. We're quite sheltered, aren't we, really? You know, we live quite a passive sort of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I know there's obviously extremes to that, but generally speaking, we, we, we don't understand it quite so, so well, well over here. We don't watch stuff get eaten. Our, our, biggest, uh, our biggest predator is in, in the UK is a seal. <laughs> Unless you're scuba diving, you're not going to see what it does. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you were out there for six weeks. Do you ever feel like that six weeks could have turned into six months or a year? Yeah, 100%. It came to the end of the six weeks and money ran out and we, we had flights booked back and we just had to come back. I had loads of trips planned there of like sand surfing and meeting tribal people and spending time with them. Yeah, so yeah, if I'd had the money, I would have continued. I was in a at a point by the end of the trip, but I just felt so at home there that I could have potentially stayed forever. That's when you know that you're on a good trip, isn't it? And you're just like literally contemplating, you know, how much is the house worth yeah. <laughs> you know you're like let's let's do this i'm ready for it i guess like your excursions in the uk kind of you know feed that as a snack rather than a, a free course meal so to speak <laughs> i love that analogy ben that's brilliant <laughs> uh, i'm full of them mate i always come out with a good one <laughs> I'm a record. <laughs> Normally a bit more coarse though. <laughs> yeah, they're a good snack. They're keeping me going. But yeah, I think I'm probably building up to a big free course meal at some point. <laughs> oh, we need to watch this space then. Yeah, yeah. What would, what would you do if, if if you could pick something right now? What would you what would you really want to just go and do? Oh, so much, so much of the world I want to see. I'd love to see East Asia. Um, and I think the best part of traveling is I love the camping and you know the wildness and getting out in nature but also kind of being very integrated in the culture and the society and getting to know people and getting that very real experience of the country that you're in yeah so, yeah I'd want to do that in kind of eastern Asia Australia also that would be a good road trip I'd love, I'd love to go to Mongolia I would as well, Ben. We've never talked about that. No, I've, I've always wanted to go and live in a yurt and drink the blood of camels. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost on a plane plane with you there, but you can you can have your camel blood. I'm, I'm uh, fine just, with that. You know, just go, right, go, go and live live with like you know the people that actually live that like the, the nomadic lifestyle and go and spend. That's I'd love to go and do that. That's like park dream territory, right, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? If I've learned anything over a pandemic, is that homeschooling whilst it's really difficult is not as impossible as you might have thought a couple of years ago and it does actually open up 
your mind to the possibility of could you actually do it I'm not convinced because I'm a rubbish teacher <laughs> period I do like to think that there's you, you you've got options you know what I mean rather than just sort of locking it all down and putting it away in a box and saving it for holidays I don't like to think of them as holidays I'd like to think of them as like adventures or mini trips or when I had my my son he's 10 now um I kind of not lost myself but you get so kind of busy with being a parent don't you and working mm. and day-to-day life that I didn't appreciate the outdoors so much and I think it was only just before lockdown really but um through new friends and relationships that I rediscovered my passion for the outdoors and I thought actually I always loved this why have I not been doing yeah, it that's um, a really good point I mean I I, I see examples of that are both me and my wife actually and you 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 stop being um you, you become so engrossed in being a parent that like for me I've I've taught both of our children everything I knew about being outdoors and how to be comfortable from you know shelter building to lighting fires to cooking outdoors all of that kind of thing and somewhere along the line I forgot that I'm supposed to enjoy it and not just be the teacher I think um you're at the point now that your your children are more self-aware you know you can trust them because you've taught them a skill that they've practiced enough at that yeah proficient. it's taken it's taken a decade do you do you take your son with you jay does he come with you on the and on the adventures i do i do he's got into his hiking recently and um i bought a tent box back in april was it this year it is this year um yeah. so we've gone in lots of adventures in that. that's brilliant I saw that picture actually on Instagram um, and I looked at it and I want one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted a van, um, but I can't quite decide exactly what I want and I couldn't quite afford it at the time. So um, I think it was the start of the first lockdown doing the local walks and there was a man with a big beak and he had one open on his drive and I was like, what is that? That's so cool. That's a safari thing, not something you should have in the UK. Um, And we got talking one day and I was like, wow, I need it. So I, yeah, I got it. And it was so much fun. And I can just stick it on my little Audi and we can go wherever we want. It gives us the van life life. Yeah. Um, without having to have a full van. And it's been amazing. You, you put it on your regular car, uh, whatever that might be. And away you go. I think the thing that, that I struggle with a little bit is as much as I like putting a rucksack on and just walking off into the distance, you always have to drive somewhere in this country. I mean, I'm in Norfolk, which is, you know, two and a half, three hours away from anywhere that I would consider sort of half decent. Not that I don't love Norfolk because there's some great places, but anywhere that there's any kind of hill, you know, I've got to go a long, long way for it. And with a roof box, or a van or something like that of course it you, you can just drive for five six hours you can really get out into some remote places and it makes a massive difference to like how you perceive where you are and how sort of how far away from normality you are because I think that's what we're trying to chase isn't it it's it's binning off really right. everything that you've got and moving on to something that is really rugged and wild and free yeah. that's what I feel anyway yeah, definitely. I mean, I went, was it in the summer, I went on a road trip to Cornwall with my mum and my little boy in the tent box. And it's just perfect for road trips because you go, you find an amazing spot, you camp up, you appreciate that 
area and then you move on to somewhere else and you just see so much you yeah. can make such a massive trip from just a week away and you're in the wild or in a campsite if you want to be um or in a nearly wild campsite so there's so many options it's it works for yeah, people. it's quite versatile i've i've thought about it quite long and hard i mean i'm i'm diehard camp like you know wild camping and, and stuff like that but just for if you thought oh you know what i'm gonna go spend a week in wales but i want to do south and north it's perfect for just i uh, will drive four hours and then find something to eat pitch up sleep whatever you know could be on the beach could be halfway up a mountain kind of thing on a little road with a pull in it, it's it's van life but without the van almost i totally agree and of course the, the advantage is is that you you don't have the expense of the van with your rooftop tent that you have on your car, have you have you been wild camping alone in it? I have, yeah. I was going to say, how do you feel about that? Because I I get conscious when I I've been on my own wild camping, and it's not my favourite thing to do. I don't like large groups of people, but I don't necessarily like to do it solo either. It feels quite different to wild camping in a tent. I don't know why that I felt more vulnerable. Is that probably because you're attached to a car and it's yeah probably yeah more visible yeah. yeah 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 and you yeah you're less discreet aren't you um yeah 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 that's probably why but actually I've not I've not had any problems when I've been in it on my own or with family and it, I, think- I, I did quite a few um of the nearly wild camping sites and that to kind of test it out initially um yeah, yeah. And that kind of built my confidence to then go out and just do it on my own. Just go and do it. You yeah. So I'm going away for the weekend. See you later. Yeah. It's <laughs> me time. And we, we should we should probably say at this point, of course, you are nearly wild camping ambassador as well. And um Oh, it's a fix. <laughs> it's a fix. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's made the connection now. <laughs> but that's not that's not exactly how this came about. But um it's a great organisation, isn't it? I think it's brilliant, um, especially for people that would... I think since lockdown, really, people have wanted to get out into nature a lot more, haven't they? they have, everyone's yeah, they have. Because holidays have been so expensive or not an option. So um, people have been wanting to test out wild camping and what that is, and it gives them the opportunity of doing that without fully committing to it. Yeah, you've yeah. gone to a site that caters for that rather than go park up somewhere, walk 10 miles to find somewhere, set yeah. up, realise you hate it, <laughs> it's two o'clock in the morning, tipping it down, you're a 10 mile walk back to the car with all your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think it takes a certain kind of person to enjoy the hardships of not having everything. You either, it's, it's Marmite, isn't it? You either love it or you hate it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you know, for me, wild camping really just strips it away. I find like who I am. I find the best version of me and it takes me back. And, and when I don't do it, if I don't do it enough, I just become a very like unpleasant kind of almost like recluse. You know, I, I, I find myself detached from normal life. Yeah, absolutely. I think people go out into the wild or into solitude to you find yourself there, don't you? And that you come back refreshed and more able to engage with 
everyone around you. I find anyway. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I agree to that. It's a big reset. It's uh, yeah. I find a, a nice long hike, or if if it's an overnight or a couple of nights or whatever, I find it. I, I'm incredibly, even though I might have the worst night's sleep, I'm incredibly refreshed. You know, I'm not as stressed. I'm not as, you know, stress. Yeah, stress. You think you've hit the nail on the head there, Ben? It's stress that does it. Yeah, just takes, you know, takes the edge off of the day-to-day grind. You know, you live for the weekends, get Monday to Friday out of the way, and you can just get there that a little bit easier. And it's ironic, really, because when you think about it, we we set this podcast up as I said, like almost a year ago now. If it wasn't for technology, it wouldn't happen. And yet, you know, we're trying to get away from technology. It's like it's such a paradox. Yeah, <laughs> everything's got its place, doesn't it? And we use technology to reach out to more people, to connect to more people, be it virtually, but that inspires people hopefully to go out and do it in real life and to make those connections with other people in real life as well. Of which is probably a good time to mention that your your Instagram feed is like full of fantastic pictures. You do some really brilliant shots. And when when we like flick through it and that, we're like, Wow, that's that's brilliant. That's it really inspires you to go out and get stuck in. And you know, how do you how do you find it? Thank you for that compliment. That's so sweet. <laughs> um, I I just love nature. I think it's so beautiful, and I love trees, and I find them amazing. So I just want to show people what I see and how beautiful it is, and hopefully get them to think actually that's amazing. I want to get out and and see that and experience that too. Mm. your um your welsh 3000 series as such yeah yeah that's that's impressive that's impressive that was an amazing week most people well know it for the challenge of doing the 15 peaks in 24 hours um but i've done a few challenges in my time the yorkshire three peaks most recently and i just find that you kind of rush through it and you don't really appreciate what you're doing yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, so I wanted to do it over a week and, yeah, actually see and, like we said, appreciate the little things and the trees and the, the lakes and the rocks and, yeah, all of it. So um, we only managed to do, I think it was nine of the 15. Um, we had to bail off a few ridges because it was really, really windy. It was so windy on one, it was actually scary. I was so exhilarated, but terrified <laughs> at the same time, thinking I was actually going to die. Um, so, so it was definitely the, the right call. But yeah, it was really windy on the top. I hope you plan to go back and, and finish the other six off. Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> if it's um, one, one a weekend. I'm most anxious about doing crib goth that's like a proper ridge I'm a bit scared of heights and I really wanted to do that with you know someone trains a mountain leader who can get me through it and encourage me through it so I'm a bit scared of doing that like on my own I have to find someone to lead me on that I think it comes down to sort of exposure though doesn't it you know I mean everyone's got their limit as to to their fear factor but exposure to any fear you know dissipates that but of course what you can't do is just like smash into it you can't get right on on top of the ridge and then suddenly have a panic attack <laughs> you know that's the worst case scenario um yeah. so you're right to do it that way around for sure but probably after you've done that one you might find that the next ridge walk is is more palatable not quite so 
um, scary. Just pack my brown pants for stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry about stuff like that too much. I, I, I think about the small things way too much, but the big stuff just I'm not I'm not phased by it. But I would probably come unstuck at some point. I mean, <laughs> s- silver linings is at least you'd get a ride in a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. How embarrassing it would be to get like airlifted off the mountain when everyone else is continuing with the much, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would it would it'd be dire. <laughs> <laughs> Just wave everyone on the way down. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to be that person. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what would be your ultimate sort of challenge, do you think, in this in this country? I'd love to do the lakes. I've not done any of those. Um, and I think I'm going is... there tomorrow. Are you? Oh, what are you doing? Uh, well, it's part two of a wedding. I've already been there once. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> does, that, does that count? <laughs> I seen them. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no. The, on it, go, 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 go. All I can say is go, go, go. Base yourself up, up by at Keswick or somewhere around there. Um, you're right at the top end and. Honestly, you will not, you will just not regret any of it because, I mean, I've I've been encamped um, up up that way and I've, I've sort of gone around Derwentwater and stuff, um, which was my first sort of proper lakes outing, shall we say? And uh, honestly, like go and do Catwells, go and do Skiddle, go and do Helvellyn, you know. Helvellyn's great, yeah. It's just Catbells is too. Yeah, it's really good. It's it's next level. If I'm mm. honest, like don't get me wrong, I, I love Wales. I grew, I lived there for six years, you know, so I know I know all the little you know bits and bobs and places you know to, to go from 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 memory. And I've, I've done Snowden a few times. I've been up a couple of the other peaks, and uh, I, I did plan to do Nantle Ridge this year. That's fell through because you know, injury. Um, but yeah, the, the lakes. Like I say, I went up on Monday Monday night, so didn't say anything, and on Tuesday. Sort of drove a bit, bit of the way back, like towards Keswick and that. And I always stop at Keswick, just go down to the lakeside and just have a moment. I don't care that I have to pay for parking. Mm-hmm. I just want an hour of just sitting and just watching the water and the clouds hit across the mountains and stuff. Mm. Mm. It really is something. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> just like yeah, Lake District, <laughs> go. <laughs> I'm going. You've convinced me. <laughs> yeah it looks incredible from the pictures I've seen just you've got the mountains you've got the lakes but it's just yeah it looks amazing oh, it's really nice it, it really is pack a coat as well because yeah it's always raining <laughs> it is yeah that's the reason why it's called the lakes I believe um do, do you have any like you know got any aspirations to do any sort of long distance trips or anything or I know it's difficult because you know you've got a, a young family so it's always hard to get away isn't it it is, it is. I'm really lucky that my mum is amazing and supportive and she's actually taking him on holiday to Egypt in the half term. Wow, so lucky boy. So an incredible trip. So I've got some time free when he's away, so I'm going to try and make the most of that. Um, and I might go up to the lakes then and do lots of hikes. But yeah, I definitely want to do more of Scotland. I've not, I don't think I've bagged a Monroe yet, so that would be really cool to do. And... Yeah, then venture to other countries. Switzerland looks absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, for hiking and do some winter stuff. See, we've we've been right to the right to the north of Scotland before. It was many years ago, and it was about fourteen hours of driving. If you look on a map, you know there's there's parts of Scandinavia that you could reach quite easily within that time frame. 
bar the ferry ride of course it dawned on me instead of going sort of up north what if we headed across the water slightly and how far could we get and then the vastness of all of that that's out there I think that would then blow my mind and you, trouble is you you start thinking like that and you're like actually just I want to go everywhere <laughs> you know because nowhere is off limits is it I know I've got a list but it's pointless really because it's just pretty much everywhere I haven't been um my, my son's got a scratch map on his wall every country he goes to he gets to scratch it off and he finds out some facts about it oh, and, that's brilliant which really motivates him to go to more places but he absolutely loves the fact that he's been to a couple of countries that I've not been to because my mum's took him on some amazing trips so he's <laughs> like, he likes to love them. yeah <laughs> nice nice no that's brilliant that's pretty nice. and to be fair Egypt's quite a cool place to go there's so much history and everything there yeah yeah the for pyramids yeah, for a 10-year-old lad, it's like awesome, isn't it? What's not to like about pyramids and pharaohs and Tutankhamun and, you know, it's just, he'll come back like so full of it, won't he? He will, he will. It's so educational as well, isn't it? So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's looking forward to, um, they're doing a cruise down the Nile. And Excellent. He gets to see like the tomb um of the Valley kings of the kings. And, yeah, that's it Valley of the Kings and Luxor and all those places um so yeah he'll be sending me pictures and I'll be jealous sorry I've got no phone signal I'm in the lake <laughs> yeah <laughs> with your work at the moment is there any correlation between that and outdoor life um I'm a social worker so I work with kids in care it's a really rewarding job and I absolutely love what I do but it can be really stressful as well so I think the outdoors probably helps de-stress me and brings me back to myself when, when I've kind of got lost in paperwork and reports and dealing with crises um, and seeing, seeing people in tough times. Um, but also when I, I go out and visit um, all the children that I work with and they always want to be outside, they always want to go on an adventure. So we quite often go off park if nowhere else or the hills and um, take a little picnic and they absolutely love that and that helps create them our relationship and our bond and they have a really fun time and we build trust hands down they will remember that yeah they will i hope so you'll have people at some point in the future thank you for for those moments mm. without a doubt i think that's part of that has and my trip in Snowdonia recently doing the 15 peaks has made me really want to do my mountain leader training. And I think the first people I thought that I would want to do that with are the kids that I work with because they just, well, everyone benefits from nature. Like we said, it's healing. It's, mm. it's just a wonderful experience. And I'd love to be able to do trips like that with children that I work with and some who may not have ever had the experience to, to do that kind of thing. See, years, years ago, I wanted to do the single pitch award. I never actually got around to doing it. And partly because it was like three hours drive from any kind of rocky outcrop. <laughs> I never really regret anything that I haven't done because I just haven't done it. It's not to say that I won't do it. It's just I never did it. But I kind of regret not sticking with the idea, you know, doing anything like that. Any of those kind of outdoor skills and training kind of reinforces what it is that you've learned. What I 
quite like is is that you don't actually have to be the best academic in order to do it because there's a whole load of skill sets that you bring to the party that are actually nothing to do with GCSE results, your A-levels, your university degrees. It's about a different level of understanding and common sense and application. I think we all have it. It's just that it takes maturity to develop it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it would benefit them in so many ways. And they'd learn so much about themselves. And like you said, it's so accessible as well. So children that maybe aren't doing so well in school or have experienced significant trauma and just can't deal with day-to-day life, that just kind of escaping it all and being able to do something really practical that kind of gets rid of that busy energy that they have. You see it in them, in children that, that do a lot of forest school and stuff, it just brings them down and prepares them to then be able to go into a classroom and learn or have a difficult conversation or yeah just reflect on their feelings so yeah I think it should be much wide more widely offered to all children. I mean there's there's probably a pretty good reason why a lot of the Scandinavian countries are voted the happiest countries in the world you know big vast forests of freedom and weekends where they're just running through woodlands and you know, the boreal forest and that kind of thing. I think the answer is not necessarily how they're brought up. It's just that their environment in which they, ha- you know, they grow up in. If you've never had it, though, you don't, you, you also don't know what you miss. Like you yeah, say. That's true. And that's why, like you say, you, you know, you've got no regrets because you, you don't regret something that you haven't ever done. You could say the same, like, if if, if someone's parents or, or family or whatever aren't into the outdoors, then you don't really go into the outdoors because it's not something you get dragged to i'm fortunate my you know, my my dad for example he likes the outdoors and would drag us out to places with a dog and you know and you just sort of take bits of and pieces of that and you know you remember those moments you think oh actually that wasn't too bad mm. i'm gonna go with that you know i'm gonna do that or but if you don't ever have it you don't yeah. you don't you don't ever have it so you don't know what you miss and it's not until you take yourself get into like you say, if, you, if you're taking these disadvantaged children out into something that they haven't seen or done, you're going to blow their minds. There's, there's so much positivity and reward from that. Just think of the sense of achievement you get from climbing a mountain. You get to the top and it's a view and you just feel so accomplished. And that for a child yeah. who doesn't get that feeling very often must be mind-blowing. Yeah. The fact that they can do that in other areas of their life, at school or in relationships or whatever it's all metaphorical isn't it really because you know the mountain is always there to be climbed whether it's a career or whether it's just life relationships whatever you never really stop climbing do you You just keep going and keep going and keep going so I think it's good to be able to put something like for me I think like visualize it as something tangible so how far up the career ladder am I you know I'm halfway I've still got a bit of a slog to go, but at some point I'll get to the top and then you sort of, well, then you're on the way down, I suppose. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but for me, it just helps put things into perspective is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it does. You might think that you've reached the peak, but there's another one there. Yeah. You reevaluate and you think that's yeah. over there. It's the Munro's, isn't it? And you realise there's another thousand. You're like, oh, bloody hell. I want to do them all. I've got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I I shouldn't have spent so long in the first 10 years of my career doing one thing. I've just realised there's another thousand things to do. (laughs) Or you've got to sublime summit. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, bloody hell. 
<laughs> Been camping, the camping and outdoors podcast. Where would you think you might be in, say, twenty years' time? You know, you, you, your family's grown up. You're in a different phase of life. What do you think might happen? Well, I hope to have retired early. <laughs> Good answer. Definitely. Wait, that. Number one. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next year, if possible. No. <laughs> Definitely the van life. Absolutely have to have a van, and I absolutely have to live in it and travel the UK and Europe and as much of the world as I can. That is my dream. You need to wait a year or two if you're thinking of getting a van at the minute. I know. Well, I've got my tent box to keep me going for a little while, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll wait for the prices to come down before I get a van. Hopefully in the, in the next 18 months to two years, the prices might suddenly crash again. Fingers crossed, because I want an empty box. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about the van life that appeals to you, though? You know, is it just the freedom or? Yeah, I think it is the freedom, just the ability to go anywhere and be self-sufficient and independent. Yeah, just be out in the wild and in nature and, yeah. I quite like the idea of actually having a job that is so office-based that I just need an internet connection and then just turning up, you know, in the lake somewhere and just tapping away on a laptop. It's entirely possible. I'd like to be hands-on, so I'm not sure how well I'd do with just that kind of role. But then if you cross that over to being parked up in, you know, a little beauty spot somewhere, then that would be awesome. You could just take videos of it and do, like, YouTube or... <laughs> we talked about this. this is why we went to a podcast um well we haven't got a face for youtube have we been so no a face like a plaster's radio <laughs> yeah exactly the thing with youtube is is that sometimes you go to these places and you don't actually want to film it you know you want something to yourself that's how this podcast was born we can be anywhere invite people like yourselves and have interesting chats you can be the other side of the country of course we thought we'd bring the campfire back in to just one place where everyone can enjoy it and so far it seems to have worked which is much to our surprise I have to say yeah they've been great I've loved listening to your podcast like you said you can be anywhere can't you and still I'm in Spain at the minute you wouldn't know it I'm not really no I'd like I'd like to be but I'm not unfortunately not same it's gone a bit cold now hasn't it winter's definitely coming this is this is a nice really nice part of the year I, I, I like going out camping this time of year because it doesn't, doesn't matter what you can all you know you can go into a nice warm house you, you could be absolutely piss wet through cold and miserable yeah but you know as soon as you get in you can just strip off get changed and, and you're good again on. and you're good yeah that's it quite a lot of the the, the pictures that you've taken jay uh, you know the weather looks quite mean and moody and you're not afraid of getting out there in the wet weather are you <laughs> no you can't be in england can you you just can't ever like <laughs> go by the weather no. so you just stick a waterproof on and get out regardless so it's sods of all isn't it we've talked about how you you know you grew up and you were in a, a concrete jungle you know you had an amazing mum that would take you out on these fantastic trips and you look back now and you sort of recreating all of that kind of thing and obviously inspired you was was your mum like that in her youth um I think so my mum's from the Basque country in the north of Spain so I think that in itself gave her probably much more freedom in her youth 
I think the culture and the lifestyle in Spain is very yeah. different you know, that here you you know there's kids outdoors playing until early hours there's it's just such a mix and such a I think it is more an outdoorsy life and I think that's much to do with the weather so I think so yeah she's just more used to having that kind of lifestyle and instilled that in myself and my brother from from when we were little despite the weather and like we're getting out there regardless so come on so your mum grew up in Spain and then took you on holiday to Wales (laughs) (laughs) I mean wow (laughs) yeah I know, that doesn't seem right, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest, it doesn't. It seems like your, your mum is probably cussing through her back teeth, <laughs> going, I'm wet through, it's cold, yeah, just take me back home. <laughs> she did it just to lose us in a field for, for a couple of hours it gave just us a piece just a bit of respite <laughs> so we were very lucky we used to spend pretty much all the summer holidays in Spain with my grandparents so yeah I think that outdoorsy kind of lifestyle was very much part of my childhood as well not just in the UK but in Spain we were just out on our bikes playing with other kids in the hills and the fields just what children did there and it's a shame I think probably more so over time and with technology and that children now kind of just want to be indoors don't they play in xbox and fortnite and we've lost something the last 20 years i think yeah definitely we've lost it listen to people at work and on about their kids or whatever and it's the same all they want to do is sit look at a screen they're not interested in anything else they're missing out on they're, they're so blinkered on just a little screen i mean I've, I've had friends compliment us to say, I can't believe that, you know, your children have got to 10 years old and they don't play exclusively on an iPad or, you know, Xbox, whatever. But even I'm guilty after a period of time that we've all been through of just saying, you know what, just have a screen because it's easier. And you, you hit that wall, don't you? And it, I, I can understand how it happens, mm-hmm. but I feel like this sort of, I don't know, responsibility, I suppose. And I need to, I need to refire it a bit, actually, and, and turn the heat up a bit. But I find the, the, the responsibility of getting the next generation out and enjoying it, because we all talk about things like climate change and all that kind of thing. Well, that's fine. But if you're stuck behind a screen, mm-hmm. you have no connection to the whole environmental situation. So it's imperative that the younger generation get out there and experience and feel things in order to start that healing process. Yeah, 100%. They just get lost in this virtual world, don't they? And it becomes so real to them that they can't regulate their emotions or, you know, so it is it is addictive, you know, you find yeah. people are addicted to it um, and they just don't even care about anything outside of that little world. You know, they lose so much, like you said, you know, I'd rather my son be outdoors getting up to a bit of mischief because he's learning life skills he's learning to interact with other people he's learning to communicate yeah there, there is some things learned and that there are there are things you can play which help you develop in some some respects in some regards but most of it's mindless mm. you know it's just a, a draw to just sink your time into i had a sega when i was a kid and later on graduated to sega, sega mate 16 bit mega drive 16 bit um, 16-bit mega drive, mate. <laughs> and I graduated onto, you know, I can remember when I first got a PlayStation, but I didn't play that. That was, if it was absolutely tipping it down, 
then yeah, you'd, you'd be like, oh, what can I do? Oh, I'll go on Gran Turismo or something, or Crash Bandicoot or something like that. And you'd, you know, you'd have a mate or two round, and you'd just be, you know, you'd have you'd have a wet day basically. But if the weather's good, you're out. You know, you can learn a lot from screens. There are some amazing videos and programs on the telly and on YouTube. Gosh, I use it when I come home from work I'm on my own with my little boy while I'm cooking dinner he's watching a program because there's not much else really for him to do once he's done his homework you know I think we all probably use it to some level or other and it's got its use and its benefit as well well let I wish you all the best on behalf of myself and Ben it's been fantastic to chat with you tonight keep going with the Instagram feed because it's brilliant yeah it's a really really great feed and just tell everybody uh, how they can get in touch with you um yeah i'm on instagram ray of sun underscore adventures and that's just mainly where i post my photography and outdoors inspiration i do some travel blogging as well for the different people i've done some for tent box nearly wild camping and i love that but yeah that's it that's me thank you for your time tonight thank Spend you very time. much thank you guys and i have a swig of my beer now